in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. What a final round, shoot 64. Australian's Cam Smith finally has got his major victory. And Rory McIlroy will once again have to wait for the next one. Smith spoiled McIlroy's party at the 150th edition of the Open at St. Andrews on Sunday. Like I said, shot the 64 for the Claret Jug. I don't care about that. I care that Rory finished third. Uh, we, ch- By the way, we uh, we came up with like three or four names for the new pup. Yeah. And for three days on each one, we called them different names because we couldn't really like decide on one. But we ended up with Rory, because Rory McIlroy is my favorite golfer, even though the family won't admit that's why we named the dog Rory. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. They won't admit that. I'm like, why else would we name this this dog Rory? Because uh, uh, favorite golfer. So I was upset yesterday, but Cam Smith with the 64. Do you watch any of it? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, and I was, you know, I, I just wasn't... Uh... I, honestly, if Tiger's not in something, I'm not watching it. Okay, it's just it's just I'm a you know I'm not gonna sit there and watch guys you know hit the little ball and then go chase it and then hit it again and it's just not gonna happen. Well, there's a statement. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I just I just I just can't sit there and watch golf. I I mean, if it's on or if something's like if I'm somewhere, if I'm if I'm over mom's, my stepdad's watching it. I mean, he'll watch the golf network all day whether there's a tournament going on or not. But, like, if there's something big happening or it's down to a playoff and it's on, I'll watch it. I respect it. I'm just not going to sit around and watch it. So, And I was at the NBA Summer League Championship. Anytime you get the chance to come back and play the old course um, in the open, it's just it's just special. The warmth and the ovation on, at 18, it, it, it got to me. That's why Jared's the A1 producer. He's got that cut with Tiger walking up 18 at St. Andrews. Doesn't make the cut. Very emotional. He's crying. So this must have, like, turned your waterworks on. Yeah. Watching him walk up the 18th, knowing because of the rotation with the Open, it's going to be a while before it gets back to St. Andrews. And he even said afterwards, I don't know if I'm going to still be playing. Yeah. That's that's That one's tough, you know. And I and I, and I I sent that over, and, and, and I sent it over last week for one of our stuff on the afternoon show just is it a sign that he's done and 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 i get and my point was that you know he's every little comeback he's made since the even before the accident when he was trying to come back with his back and then now with the car accident you know in his leg um the response is the reception the entourage is always the same it's never not as in as big as it was for him the roar is always like that i mean on opening day it could be the first hole, he always gets that type. The fact that he broke down, it told uh, you know. I I asked a question. Well, wow, is is that it? And then when I listened to more about what he said at the press conference, you know, it it's it's more of that. But to how special that place is, and that could be his final time at that uh, that at that location because the tournament moves. And when will it be back? And will he still be playing at that point? You know, I mean. They used to call it the Senior Tour. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called now because they've changed the name. I'm on it. The PGA Seniors. Senior Tour, I believe. It's a Senior Tour, but there's a there's now a different name. But anyway, I hope to Champions see Tour. Champions ah, Tour. Ah, Champions Tour. Yeah, I would love to see him continue to go there. And then and then you then you really because it kind of starts over then where like you know because for all this time it's like him chasing Nicholas and Palmer and you know those types of uh, historic guys that we were watching when we were kids, right? With the plaid pants and. 
the, the great showdowns with Tom Watson and Jack Nicholas back then, right? Remember those pants? Yeah, those were fantastic. Watson had the, the, the and, and, yeah. and Nicholas, they had the, 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 the checkered pants and the sweaters and the whole bit. But, heavy, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but to see him be able to maybe compete on the champion store with some of the legends, and then he'll be up there. I mean, gosh, I remember when he won his first one, 1996, October, right here in Right Summerlin. here in Vegas. Yeah. In Summerlin. Yeah, I have a fantastic lithograph of, uh, you know, of scenes from that that was put together and framed really nice. It was, it was, it was, it was uh, that was cool. So, I mean, there, there's another guy, right? We talked about watching Kobe in his whole entire career. Watching Tiger in his whole career it started right here in Vegas. You know, he when he was choosing his colleges, Stanford and UNLV Stanford? were the yeah it was the, the final That's two. That's right. Yeah, Dwayne Knight trying to get him. Dwayne Knight tried to get him. He chose Stanford, but you know who was happy that he chose Stanford? Not Dwayne Knight. Mark Wallington. <laughs> Mark Wallington. Yes. I remember he was like, "Let him go up there. I don't. I don't need the media." Would you have to deal with that? With it. Oh yeah. man, yeah. having to deal with that. Yeah. Well, you went to Stanford. Can't blame the kid. <laughs> I. uh... What was the question again? I'm sorry. I just got this. <laughs> Interesting story. Florida sophomore quarterback Anthony Richardson released a statement Sunday afternoon expressing his desire to detach himself from his AR-15 nickname and increasing scrutiny of gun violence in the United States. So he got permission from Tebow to wear 15. Yeah. His name's Anthony Richardson. The uh, the people around him, the marketing people, you know, with the all the NIL now situation yeah. and the gear, said, hey, let's go AR-15 until the kid... After discussion with my family, much thought, I've decided to no longer use AR-15 and the current apparel line logo, which features a scope, uh, which keeps a scope as my branding. While a nickname is only a nickname, R-15 was simply a representation of my initials combined with my jersey number. Um, it includes the creation of a new logo I'm going to have and transition to simply use AR. Before they make the logo or the t-shirts, no one realizes this? I just think it's a natural, like people probably just because it's catchy. And then you don't think about it like, oh, you know, and then it just catches on. But what if he puts the letters after and just adds the, like, if he did a logo like one five capital A capital R small case M, is for his arm fifteen arm? I don't know. But it, it's I I mean kudos to him. You know I mean if he doesn't, oh no someone either he or someone said uh yeah whether it was him or not I mean the fact that he came out and with a with a very bold statement and saying hey you know I just don't want this to be associated I mean you see what's going on in America and here's the thing I'm all about you know background checks and so on and so forth but I'm also about defending yourself I'm I'm a car carrier I you know I, I'm gonna defend myself and I'm gonna protect my home so I, I'm not a, totally against having guns but you know with what we're seeing in America there needs to be some beefed up background checks and you know, and, and I also think, and I've always been on the, the bandwagon that it ties into mental health. You know that we need to ch- check a lot, check people out. Um, but for this guy, yeah, why would you want to even have the inclination with 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 the future ahead of you? You know, there's going to be those people that will scrutinize him for using that and sort of uh, sensationalizing such a such a moniker, right. if you will. I mean, at the very least, if he has a good game, you don't want that trending on Twitter and being no. like, oh, like, because if you didn't know that they were playing, people would be like, oh, my God, what's happened? What's right. happened? What's happened? It's another shooting. Yeah. Next question. Houston's Justin Verlander, Yankees' Jared Garrett Cole, and Atlanta's Max Friel won't be active in the All-Star game after weekend starts. 
How about this? Uh, about one-fifth of the roster changed since the original 33-man teams were announced on July 6th and 8th. Freddie Freeman finally on it. What took so long? Uh, you an all-star Fire game guy? Agent. Home run derby guy? Yeah, no, that Do one. Do you bet it? No. That'd be too weird. That'd be too hard, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, no. I, I wouldn't bet. I think there was one year where I wrote some analysis, and it was when Harper was in it and Dad was throwing. Remember that year? And everyone was... Yeah, when yes. he was, yeah, yeah, when he yes. was cheating. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> you can pick your pitcher, Jared. <laughs> I know, but... No, he was throwing too fast. You gotta, you have to... No, there's... I don't believe this. Jared Hush. I just... Jared Hush. It's just a... Harper wasn't cheating. Uh, but... No, no, that's a skill competition that 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 I still kind of, like. I don't like if I I won't race home to watch it, but if I'm there, like I put that on and watch it. You do, yeah. I put I put that on watch. I won't watch the All Star game from start to finish, but if it's on, you know, there's nothing else on tomorrow. I won't watch the All Star game because I'll be courtside for the Aces game. You mean tomorrow you won't watch home run derby? Is the game tomorrow? Home run derby tonight? Home run derby Mondays. All star games are Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. Do you do you watch these things? (laughs) I watch. I watch both. I watch the home run derby and the all star game. He shows up. He shows up tonight. Going. Where's the Dodgers game? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Channel six ninety. What happened? Great question. Thank you. Tom Brady shared one of his biggest challenges with wife Giselle in terms of being parents. Listen to this quote from the Tampa Bay quarterback. I wish I was these kids. We have people clean for us. We have people that make our food. Yeah. We have people that drive us to the airport if we need that. We get off a plane, there's people waiting there to get us ushered in. That's my kid's reality, which is the hard part to say, guys, this is not the way reality is. What can we do about that? He continued, I think we can try to create experiences that are more along the lines of what kids must go through, even though they will still have experiences that a lot of kids never have. I thought this. I thought that this, uh, are you a People Magazine guy? Used to be. I mean, I have nothing against it. I used to. I used to see it in the stores, and if there's something on the cover, mom used I would to enjoy. buy this, so I was automatically would see it. So I've got when I look for stories now, I automatically go people.com/sports just to see if they pick up. And this was never anywhere else. This was an exclusive to to people. So I'm reading this. I'm going. Tom Brady reveals the hardest thing. The subhead. The NFL quarterback says he wants his children to know the family's privileged lifestyle is a treat. Well, Tom, here's a here's a thought. Stop having people prepare their meals, clean for them, and give them chores. How about that? There's an interesting thought. I mean, well, we want them to know that this isn't normal. Okay, well, then create normalcy and stop giving them an entitled life. For Do it for a week. See what happens. Make them pick Kids their clothes. Kids would rebel at this point. Make them do their laundry. How about that? I don't do my laundry. Those kids would rebel at this point. You imagine those kids if they had to do stuff. Who does laundry at your house? You or Bomb Bomb? Both. Both. I'm horrible at laundry. Really? Yeah. Like I have loads. You don't do it. Well, I don't do it for long periods of time, and then when I do, I end up with like seven loads. Like I got whites, and then I'll have the lighter colors, the darker colors, the reds, and then I do socks and briefs and compressions all in one. And then, but here's the problem: I have no problem throwing stuff in a washing machine and moving it to the dryer. Folding. No. I have a cow so, king bed that's more like a dresser. Let's put it that way. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, you know her in the uh, the bills at the house. Yeah. We hang the laundry. You don't use a dryer. We you have a dryer. We don't, don't use it. When Tristan bill. was at home, too much gas bill. He would use it, and she would just go crazy because Tristan's like, "I'm not hanging the stuff," and he would just. Oh, he'd wait till she went somewhere and like a run or something, and then obviously just shove that stuff in there. And I'd hear the dryer in the background. I'm like, boy, that stuff better dry before she gets home. Wow, I use my oh, yeah. I use my well, 110 degrees. The stuff is dry in like 10 seconds. 
I use my dryer like crazy, and my gas bill is not that expensive. So I don't know. We're Bonnie and I are going to have to have a little talk because it, that doesn't drive the gas, but the heater drives the gas bill up, and the stove more than the dryer. She well, we don't use the heater in winter in the, in the house. Where? Or... What does your thermostat stay at, even in this heat? Eighty-two. Goodbye. I'm going home. <laughs> Mine won't move off 71 in the winter or the summer. I think she allowed, because we went to California last week and the house was all shut up, you know, there's nobody there. I think she allowed 78. No yeah. shot. No <laughs> shot. I kid you not. If my if 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 I even detect like, what? a bit of thickness in the house, I'll go check the thermostat. If it's 72 or 73, I drop it into the 60s real quick to run it. But then it's set at 71. There's no way I could... Stay in a house that's now. I will say this: you have a beautiful home and it's spacious. There's a lot of foliage in there, so there's a lot of breathing <laughs> foliage. I didn't right. know I had that. All right, don't you have plants in your house? We have a lot of plants. Okay, yes. it's foliage. All right, okay, stick with us, Ed. So, <laughs> have you never heard? Like, you're so, a writer, so, but 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 as big as it is, there's a lot of air circulation. Where I don't have a big home, I have no plants. It's just me and Kalua. So, but it's got to stay cold. I, I, it has to be. I'd rather be cold. I've been here since '72. I hate the heat. I'll wear, but I'll oh, wear I too. I, I wore too. a hoodie today. I wore a hoodie down to the perfect gym. It's a hood. I'm wearing a hoodie it every single. It was a little windy this morning. I you can get away with that this morning. I, yeah, but if I you're going a, to work out, I get the hoodie also. Yeah, 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 yeah. People get on me all the time. It's like, what are you doing? It's okay. What am I doing? I'm getting in my car and I'm throwing the AC on, and then when I get to where I'm going, it's not going to be an, a hot box unless I'm going to the grainies, obviously. Yes. Most places I'm going, the AC's on anyway. So if I'm going to be comfortable, there's no difference than when I get suited up. Tomorrow night, I'll be at the AC again. I'll be suited up. I have a T-shirt, a dress shirt, a tie, a sport coat. What's the difference? I'll throw a hoodie on. When we come back, it's baseball all the time. Working our way towards Tom Krasovic at 8.30. We'll talk about the first half of baseball. <laughs> Look at this at bat he's throwing on right here. I mean, foul balls, anything in. He's really eliminated. A lot of swing and miss up top. Uh, we're right exactly where they're going. I hope it's not on cue. Ooh, that could have been down. Come on. Hap didn't like the call from John Tumpane right there. And Ian Hap's been ejected, and David Ross has ejected the headset. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. There's always that pause after Ramirez. I love that. It's more I like a question. I love. Oh, is it? I thought, I thought it was a long pause. I like. Well, that. I'm just Garrett? saying. No, no well, but it sounds like a question. Yes, that's when I put together that imaging. It was Willie Ramirez. Is how I oh, wanted it, uh, but gotcha. Leon is in such a lower register that it's sort of it's hard to like what. Yeah, you got to hit the the teen girl high pitched at the end, Ramirez. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think I don't think Leon can do that. I don't think we un can do that. How's uh, Bryson Stott doing? Bryson Stott? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, you got to say it like that. Yeah. Bryson Stott. Bryson Stott's doing fantastic. I don't know if it was the firing of Joe Girardi or what it was, but um, <laughs> injuries <laughs> finally playing. Injuries took place, and 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 Bryson's in the lineup a little bit more often. You know, in twenty five games with Girardi, um, and back and forth from AAA. Of course, he debuted with the team. So it was a fantastic. He debuted know. out of spring. Yes, right out of spring. It was a fantastic scene. Mom, Shanna, sis, uh, Brianna, and and uh, high school coach Paul Bubos from Desert. They were all there. Beautiful scene. Great scene. Just for a great kid. 
Um, 25 games with Girardi in places manager. He hit 143, slugged 169, hit um, scored six times, two doubles, no home runs. Since then, now the batting average isn't all that impressive, but it is better than 143. He's hitting 216 in 38 games. He's better than Bellinger. Uh, the Phillies are 25 and 13 <laughs> since then. Slugging has way gone way up, 392. She scored 21 times. He's got six home runs. Four doubles. Um, he only struck out 17 times, which which isn't a lot per se, but um, on-base percentage near 70%. So he's done a lot better offensively. He's already, you know, I think this is a kid that at some point he'll, he'll, he's going to get some gold gloves. When he becomes a veteran, he's going to get some gold gloves. He's 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 a sure hand. He's got a fantastic uh, footwork. He's got a strong arm from deep six hole when he's got to make that throw. Um, and just an overall fantastic person. Um, I think Bryson Stott, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not knocking Joe Girardi. I just think that Joe is in a tough spot as to what to do with him. So the inconsistency and not being able to be in the lineup as much as he should have been and that he's been. Now, you keep him in there, and he's gone through some, some offensive droughts, but he's definitely somebody who can produce. Um, he closed the season uh, the last four games, um, two in Toronto, Two in Miami, um, got a couple of home runs, um, hit hit well over the last uh, his last four games. Let's see here, he hit three thirteen over the last four games uh, of the first half. Well, before the break, before the break, four home runs or two home runs, hitting three thirteen, slugged eight thirteen, couple of doubles, uh, going five for sixteen. So I mean, so yeah, this just, is the former UNLV star, former UNLV star, former Desert Oasis, Desert Oasis star, star, former Sunset. Division Player of the Year, his senior year, beat out Nick Quintana from Arborview, who is, I want to say right now, in the Tigers organization, I believe. Okay. So we have some great locals coming up. I mean, we've had great locals. I mean, this is, you know, this is no no shocker. I mean, another one goes yesterday. Speaking of which, Justin Crawford, uh, the Phillies uh, are all over uh, Southern Nevada kids. They already have, they signed Bryce Harper. We just talked about Bryson Stott. And they just selected Bishop Gorman outfielder Justin Crawford on Sunday with the 17th pick. I take a lot of pride in that team. Both boys out of Vegas, Crawford told MLB TV, hopefully one day we'll be playing out there together. It'll be a lot of fun and we'll win a few championships together. Uh, draft slot salary of $3.79 million. So Justin Crawford is uh, making to make himself some coin. Yeah, and Phillies will put him through the same... You know, same. Bryson was drafted 14th. This kid's 17th. So, you know, he'll probably immediately check into some rookie ball, play in the Arizona Fall League, then check in with the lower A next spring, and go. he'll go to Clearwater and then go through the same rigors that, you know, Bryson. Well, actually, he won't. He won't go through the same rigors because Bryson Stott checked in for his first spring ball and at when the rookies all went out there. And then just as spring training was about to break, Time to come home, sports world, and the entire right, world has shut down. So he had to scrap in how to practice and, and, and find training out on isolated fields here. I remember talking to him, and he had told me how he uh, um, would find fields with some old coaches, and they would meet at opposite here. dugouts. Yeah. Okay. They would meet at op- opposite okay. dugouts, and uh, they would they would bring as many buckets out as possible I believe him. It's not like he would just give, feed me lip service to protect, you know, uh, spacing. But they bring as many buckets so that way one time through and then and then not touch the balls. 
They'd have to go and then he'd spray it, Lysol him down. He'd work out in his backyard. But there'd be no communication. So guys at home plate slamming balls in him at shortstop, and he would just he wouldn't throw them anywhere. He'd just field them and drop them, field them, drop, bucket them up, and then take them and then disinfect them. That's how he got through 2020. But that's how dedicated Bryson was. Uh, before we go to break, I always wanted to ask you this, and I have not yet, because everyone always says the toughest sport to bet is NBA. They always tell me that. Yeah. How difficult or easy is baseball? It's not that it's easy. It's just that I think it's the most profitable because you can handicap pitchers and you can find value in underdogs. So you don't have to – like in, in, in NBA, in college basketball, college football, NFL, you got to hit 57% just to – beat the VIG, right? So you can't go 50-50. You have to hit 57 point whatever percent it is, and realistically around 59% with some lines being at minus 115. So you have to be higher, you have to have a higher edge because you're laying juice. Whereas baseball, you can be below 50% and be a dog player and make money because you're going to get the plus. And and I like I like handicapping and writing up baseball because you can handicap pitchers, you can find value. There are old school systems that I've talked about plenty of times from an old school uh, handicapper Mike Lee. Great book, by the way, down at the Gambler's Book Club called Betting the Bases. It's been around forever. But the three big systems is the 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 uh, magical fourth, the virgin pitcher, and then the pitching rematch. And a lot of them bring pluses. So you can bet, especially the virgin pitcher, it's a major league baseball pitcher making his debut as a starter. Not just his first ever start, and but he's debuted as a reliever. His debut has to be as a starting pitcher. You're probably going to get a plus price. A lot of times that's a value play. You don't have to hit 50-50 because you don't have a true scouting report. A minor league a minor league chart is is nothing because a lot of times a, a pitcher could just be working on his breaking ball. So all he's throwing is breaking ball. So the chart that you get from the scout is, well, he threw 78% breaking balls. Well, yeah, he was just working on that pitch, but he's got a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. So now he comes and he opens up his arsenal, and he's going to get through the first two times through the lineup rather well. And now you set yourself up for a good bullpen – and, and and you look at it, Major League Baseball starters who debut, they t- it, the, the the percentages are right around 50%, and as long as you're getting plus price, you're making money. Is it easy and too simple to say you just ride a team like the Mariners right now? Yeah. Yes. I mean, you just, it's streaks. You, no matter who, Dodgers are on a streak, Mariners yeah. are on a streak, there the Oilers be, are on a streak. There used to be a betting group back in the late 80s that they would, in the first half of the season, they'd ride streaks from three to five. And then for six, seven, eight, they go opposite. So you ride a streak from three, four, and five, and then you go against a streak at five. So if they lost five in a row, you bet on that team to win the next one. The next one. If they lose six in a row, you double your bet at seven. You double your bet because most streaks don't get that. You look at it like everyone's making a big deal about this fourteen-game win streak because it's like the longest streak of the seat of the first half because streaks don't get out of that that far out of bounds. If you get if the if the streak gets to eight, you just fall off. You just you just you, 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 you chalk walk it up away. as an L. Yeah, away. look up how many streaks got to eight this year in the first half. You're, so you go against a win streak or against a loss streak at five, six, seven. And then in the second half of the season, you ride them out. Because at that point, teams are either on a complete decline or they're heading toward the, you know, so they're going on streaks. But that's that's an old school. I remember a betting group that did that in the late 80s made a lot of money. Good stuff there. I always wanted to know. Now I know. I still won't bet. When we come back, it's Tom Krasovic on Major League Baseball. 
And one, you, you talked recently about wanting to be here, um, not necessarily wanting to be traded. Um, have those feelings changed though? Or would you like to be in Washington if things worked out? I mean, for me, uh, uh, this is the team I've been since, what, 2015. Uh, I've been with this team and I feel good with it. And when I get to know the city more, it feels great. Why should I need to change? You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. It did sound like a question there. All right, I missed it. I missed it all morning. I missed it all morning. There's a lot of things you're missing, apparently. I know. Juan Soto come back. Yeah, I'm missing your text as well. I, I, oh, I, I didn't I, know. I would read half a text. Yeah, that's great. Join us now. Follow me on Twitter at SDUT Krasovic. It's Tom Krasovic, football and baseball columnist for the Las, for the San Diego Union Tribune. I almost put you in Las Vegas there, buddy. Come on. We need you here. What do you think? You want to move? Sure. I love the heat. Yes. <laughs> We're looking outside. There's some cloud cover this morning. There's some cloud cover. It's only 100. It's only 100. It'd be 110 by the afternoon. Uh, are the Yankees this good? Uh, yeah, they probably are. I mean, it's weird to watch some of their games. Teams sort of fall apart late, and the Yankees will lob the fly ball into that short right field, and you wonder a little bit how good at times, but Gosh, the run differential is just so huge. And uh, both the offense and the run prevention are incredibly good. So uh, there are some injury concerns. They lost a pitcher recently with a shoulder, which makes you a little nervous. And some of their big guys have an injury history. So I'd keep an eye on that. But uh, their performance, there's nothing fluky about that so far. Uh, you, I want to go to the other side of things. Uh, but I know you know this team well because I'm trying to go at least to start with you. The teams with the best records coming out of the half. Uh, let's start in the National League with the Dodgers. Um, I think you know with the pitching, and you're laughing, I know, but the pitching they've had, uh, I think to win 60 games already says something. Um, if they can get some good arms back in the second half, and yet for some reason, and tell me why, I'm a little worried here about them. Why am I worried? Uh, because uh, they're the Atlanta Braves of their generation, mm-hmm. uh, where they're really built for the six-month grind, and it's really impressive to, over six months, do what the Dodgers do and what Atlanta did when they were always winning uh, division titles. So that's wonderful. But then in October, which admittedly is subjected to more randomness because it's a shorter sample size, when the baseball gets a little harder, the Dodgers, I don't want to say they get exposed, but um, they don't quite win as much as you'd like uh, if you're a Dodger fan. I hate to be critical because what, what they do is really impressive, but you get into the higher level of baseball in October, you know, their pitchers, as good as they are, do they have the stuff, pure stuff? Right. Um, they have hitters that the scouts will tell you, well, almost all their hitters, they have several hitters that can be pitched to. And now over six months, the Dodgers figure it out. And in October, some of that stuff gets exposed. So um, that's maybe why you're not as confident as you'd like to be. Tom, I want to ask you, we just, uh, a minute ago before the break, we, uh, we talked a little bit about, one of the local guys, Bryson Stott, who ha- since the Phillies have sort of endured some injuries, he's been able to get some consistency with his playing time. He's definitely got a big stick from the slugging um, 
from a slugging standpoint, uh, his defense I think is golden. But on a on a on a wide scale with Las Vegas, you know you got Stott, you got Bryce Harper, we got some minor league names. Jake Hager had a big hit the other night um, up in with the Reno Aces. Kid got drafted yesterday, seventeenth from Gorman High School. Just your thoughts on the Vegas landscape, um, and it just continues to you know quietly sort of produce some products. I mean, all the way back to the Maddox days, but all through and through, um, the landscape from Las Vegas. Chris Bryant as well. Chris Bryant. Jesus. How do I not forget? Uh, when Greg Maddox was with the Padres, he used to talk about it. He's very proud of it, very fond of it. And uh, obviously the weather doesn't hurt, population growth, good coaching, good programs. Uh, so I don't think it's all that surprising. I think it's pretty cool. And I would expect it'll continue. So on that, let me ask you this: the Joey Gallo situation, because that's a Vegas kid, and I know there's a lot of, you know, talk scuttlebutt about him. Does it, where does he finish up, or does he stay where he's at? You know, the general manager of the Padres has a background with him, and has brought so many people from Texas that folks out here are sort of keeping an eye on him. And it's a possibility for the Padres. I don't necessarily think it's the greatest fit, but I'm pretty sure that there's going to be discussions if there haven't been already. Tom, stay on that, uh, stay in that mode there with uh, the Padres. Uh, Tatis yet to play. Um, this is maybe an obvious question in terms of what difference he could make if he came back completely healthy. But you know, July first, June, whatever. They're a half game up now. They're ten back. Um, what happened there, and you know, can he make that much of a difference if he's if he's completely healthy at this point going to the second half? What do you expect from them? Because I think a lot of people thought uh, I was one of them. I, I DM'd you this. I don't, and I still don't think they're going away like they have recently. Uh, but ten out is ten out. So, are you seeing some holes in that in that team there where you're like, well, maybe people were wrong about these guys? They haven't played good baseball really for three plus weeks. And the question is, is this just an aberration? And will they get back on track with guys coming back like Tatis? Or is this a, a portent of what's to come? Uh, to be determined on that, uh, in the big scheme of things, we are where we were when we began the season. No one seriously thought they would beat out the Dodgers over six months. I mean, the Dodgers are about to win their ninth division title in 10 years. What, they win 106 games the one year they didn't <laughs> win the West. So the Padres were not going to beat them over six months. The Dodgers are just too good over six months. So it's the same thing. Can they get in the wild card and then get hot? And right. It's weird that they're one of the few franchises that occupies both extremes. You could see them falling short again. It, it's Conceivable, very much so. Even with three wild cards, it could happen. On the other hand, I could see them making a pretty good trade, adding a bat and an arm. Tatis comes back, Machado, a couple guys get hot. Will Myers comes back, helps out. They got two relievers coming back. And maybe in October, you don't want to face them. It's, it's not insane to think that. So, uh, they're an interesting team. Maybe we're definitely one of the more interesting teams because it could go either way. Am I crazy to think if they can just handle their top two pitchers healthy that the Mets would be the best team in the National League? Oh, yeah. 
or not, you're not crazy. That the Mets, uh, I think, the cream of the National League. You can put them in a in a, you know, right next to each other. The Braves, Mets, and and Dodgers, and you could reverse that order however you want. And let's say the Mets trade their hot uh, catching prospect and two other guys for Soto. Which, uh, you know, their owner, I could see him doing that. Uh, gosh, I'd have to make them a favorite in the National League if they did that. If those two guys came back healthy. Well, Scherzer's back, but if DeGrom came and he was healthy and he could pitch like he did in a seven-game series, I just, I mean, I keep going back to that, that I think I think they would be the best team in a seven-game series. Yeah, that's a big ask, though. I mean, DeGrom, we'll see. There, there's no question if he's on his game, it's a big problem for the other team. Scherzer as well. Let's see. That's I don't know. And Atlanta, don't forget about Atlanta. Atlanta's still very good. Boy, you guys keep talking about the big names with the Mets, and I just think it's the transfer of coaches. Wayne Kirby, my my guy, Wayne Kirby, assistant coach, goes from the Padres to the Mets. Oh, so the Mets are sky right. I'm putting it on Wayne Kirby's shoulders. Oh, great, great. Love Wayne Kirby and gives you some edge, some competitiveness. Uh, like everything about Wayne Kirby. I got a I got a question for you because one thing we haven't talked about that and it's silly to say people sleep on them but the Yankees are taking so much of the, of the American League we hear about the uh Seattle Mariners have won 14 straight we know it's happened in the central really really close race there and then you look down you're like oh 59 and 32 the Houston Astros. Well, you know, no one wants to face them and Alvarez is like remember what we, most of us don't remember, but if you go back to 69, Willie McCovey was the NL MVP. He's like Willie McCovey, even wears 44. Uh, he's terrifying to pitch to. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers are always going to regret trading uh, him for Josh Fields. Right. And up and down the lineup, they put the ball in play. They have good at bat. Dusty has, I think, helped them in that area. Verlander's come back. I mean, they're probably the second best team in baseball as we speak, and no one would be surprised if they knocked out the Yankees. So uh, <laughs> it's amazing what they're doing. I think we're now at the stage in baseball circles. Jeffrey Lunau is sort of a pariah. No, no, he is a pariah, mm-hmm. and a lot of the so-called cheating scandal still hangs over the franchise. But at what point do you say they were really smart at what they were doing? I mean, Houston, is they're nails. They really are. And they're pretty much nails every year. So it appears they have some secret sauce over there. I'll put you on the uh, spot. Who wins the World Series? Who plays in it? And who wins it? Oh, boy. Um I'm going to lean a little towards Houston. Yeah, I think Houston. Okay. And who do they get out of the National League? I think the Mets. Houston against the Mets. Mets. Yeah. But the great thing is the five teams we've focused on, the five top five, you can make an easy case for any of them. That's that's what baseball wants. They they want sort of the October version of March Madness. The regular season isn't as important as it used to be. Right. And, And I think they've got it. Terrific. You have the, there's a plausible like uh, last year's Braves scenario where maybe some some team we can't we aren't even thinking about 
gets hot, makes a couple trades, and they become a problem. Who that team would be, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, Philadelphia if Bryce Harper comes back. Pretty good, pretty good uh, core there in Philadelphia. If you if you put Bryce Harper back, but what's he going to do with a thumb that I think it broke in three places? We don't know. Tatis, we don't know what's going to happen there. Terrific stuff, as always. Call him on Twitter at SDUT Krasvik. It's Tom Krasvik, the football and baseball columnist for the San Diego Union Tribune. Thanks, buddy. It was great hearing from you. All right. Have a great day, guys. Take care of yourself. Tom Krasvik, San Diego Union Tribune. Okay. Here we go. Four tickets in the ESPN fan zone for the Aces against the Atlanta Dream tomorrow night. This is tomorrow night. At 7 p.m., Aces vs. Atlanta Dream Fan Zone is brought to you by West Star Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson. Right now, caller 7. Caller 7 at 702-364-1100. Four tickets tomorrow night. The ESPN Van Zone for the Atlanta Dream vs. your Aces. Now Asia has it. Gets a pass from Plum. Ball batted away by Howard. Now back to Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Her first three-pointer of the night. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. Congratulations to Reed. He won the four tickets in the ESPN Fan Zone, Las Vegas Aces versus Atlanta Dream. Don't forget, Reed, tomorrow night, get there 7 p.m. Uh, against the Atlanta Dream. Willie, uh, you've got a uh, appearance coming up. Why don't you pump that up? The Aces. Oh, it's the Aces game. My Las Vegas Aces. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sunday, July 31st. The Aces will be playing in Indianapolis against the league-worst Indiana Fever. Uh, and I will be hosting the watch party at Parkway Tavern, 511 Westdale Avenue in Henderson. So make sure you come out. We're going to have prizes to give away. And you know what, Ed? We're going to do a little combo thing because it's training camp. It's out by the Raiders facility. Right. I have stacks of Raiders programs for the first two seasons nice. here at the Allegiant. I'm going to bring some programs, nice, and I'm going to give them away. Be great. Yeah, so come on out there Sunday, July 31st. I will not be signing anything of my like personal <laughs> stuff. So if you have pictures you know, from my Instagram of me in suits, I won't sign. Uh, my agent has to approve that kind of stuff. But And I don't have an NIL in place. I'm barely getting paid to do this. I'm just coming out for the fans, the Aces fans, because I have none. But Sunday, July 31st, versus the Indiana Fever. Come watch, 12 noon, couple hours. We'll hang out, Parkway Tavern. Great food, great drinks. Bartenders keeping the buzz going, keeping the flow intact as the Aces keep it rolling. And en route to the playoffs. So uh, 511 Westdale Avenue. And that was my timer going off that timer. it's eight fifty five. Yeah, you, you got to do right. something. Yeah, yeah, we. Yes, I I pointed you at put the, board. It on the board. We put it you on put the board. On the board. I had a timer going off. Everything's like buzzing. We got the, we got the plug in. We got Reed going to the game tomorrow. We got a three game homestand. We yeah. do. I say yeah. we, but I do because I have to go cover it. You won't be there. I got so many dang assignments for the uh, the visiting teams this year. Seven o'clock on the column. Eh. I don't think so. <laughs> Send that Gordon kid out there. So. He loves the basketball. Yeah, he, lo- he loves the he loves the uh, Aces. Aces, by the way, held on to be Connecticut 91-83 yesterday. Kelsey Plum leads all scores with 22. Asia goes for 20. Chelsea Gray 21 and 9 assists. The Aces forced 22 turnovers, and they finally don't give up 100 points. Yeah. That was amazing. You know, and and and, and they're they're coming around. And here's the thing. Um 
They snapped a nine-game skid at Mohegan Sun. It was a big win because Connecticut's an Eastern Conference foe. It, they were the the Sun was the first team to beat the Aces at home this year. It was it was it was the second of a back-to-back against right. the same team. And Connecticut's really good. I mean, they have the reigning MVP in John Quill Jones. They got Courtney Williams in the backcourt. They got a veteran in Alyssa Thomas. They have some fantastic players. They got great bench play. Kurt Miller's a really good coach. Um, so that's a big road win, especially when you're coming off. Wins over New York Liberty, but New York and as good as New York was, they put 116 spot on the Aces out here. Um, you know they had to level up. Um, here, though, is the problem that I have with the Aces' upcoming three-game homestand, and I think it could be detrimental because now you get into a situation where not only are you advantageous at home, but you're playing the Dream, you're playing the Fever. And you're playing the Sparks. The sparks. Right? The sparks. Three teams with losing records. Right. So now all of a sudden you're at an advantage playing three inferior teams in crunch time at home. So are, are you going to get in your rhythm, get in your flow? Yes. But if there's a lull or like when the Liberty came in and put that 116 spot or Liz Cambage decides to come in with a little revenge factor, it, it's just it's it could be a rough homestand in the fact that there there's they're not playing superior competition. They're playing imp- inferior competition. So they really need to stay focused on this co- they, this homestand. Give me a sleeper. Washington. Washington Mystics, it's, they shouldn't be considered a sleeper, but the fact that everyone in the Eastern Conference is talking about the Connecticut Sun and the Chicago Sky, and the Mystics still have Elena Deladon, Natasha Cloud, they have that core that just won the title a few years ago, makes the Mystics very, very dangerous because they're go- and they're also playing with chips on the shoulder because no all-star uh, nominations. When we come back, Nikki Fargus, the president of the Aces, is going to join us here in the press box. One thing we're going to talk about, Kelsey Plum has been extended. Uh, good move, we think, there. They keep extending these players, which, you know, again, yeah. uh, gets them on two-year contracts. These guys are going to be around a long time. Yeah. Maybe it's time to extend uh, Waller, Plum's friend. Oh. It's a friend. <laughs> 